It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Fierutani Castleman and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone. Polar Opposites back again. And Cajun, I'm not even going to intro. Spencer Byers, Cajun Theory with Andy Castle. You know what, Cage? I can't do that to you. I can't do that to you. Even with the Raptors stopping what could have been in his, what could have been, would have been the most historic losing streak ever. Cajun Theory with Andy Castle. And Cage, we got to start. As much as I want to talk about Caitlin Clark, we'll get into her game winner last night in a minute. The Toronto Raptors finally did something, which we've been waiting a year and a half for. And with that that trade being said, they lose to the Detroit Pistons, stopping the historic losing streak at 28. The Pistons tied the longest losing streak in NBA history at 28 games. They did not set it with the win over the Raptors. It was a 129-127 win for the lowly Detroit Pistons. So, Kate, I mean, we'll start with the game because the trade is a little more interesting for me. The Raptors lose to the team that had won in 29. And I, I got to be honest, Cage, I couldn't be happier because you and I bantered back and forth that the Raptors were going to beat the Celtics and then they were going to lose to, the, to, the, to the, the Pistons. Not only did the Raptors lose to Boston at the Garden, they then go to Detroit and lose to Detroit. And at Cade Cunningham, 30 points and 12 assists. Jalen Duran had 18 points and 17 rebounds in the win. I mean, the minute that bo- that Detroit-Boston game happened and it went, didn't go in Detroit's favor, like, he kind of knew. I would have just hoped that Toronto would have stole, stole a game against Boston. They almost did, but didn't do it. But I saw that line with Toronto being minus three. And I'm like, what are we doing here? And especially, like, once the trade happened and they didn't have many pieces there in the first place, like, why is Toronto even favored in the first place? So it's like, you kind of, like, there's that general feeling that like if it wasn't if it didn't happen against Boston, it was gonna happen against Toronto. So there's too much pride going on in Detroit and Toronto was just a mess. A mess until they actually got their new pieces back. They actually got their new pieces in action. Well, the Raptors did have another game after the loss to Detroit, and it was the new look team that was involved in that one. And they were able to get the win, 124-121, over the Cleveland Cavaliers. So you may be wondering, if you haven't seen the news, I I would be surprised. But let's talk about it, Cage. The Toronto Raptors and New York Knicks finally get something done for the Raptors. The New York Knicks get OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. The Raptors receive R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a future second-round pick. That pick being a Detroit pick. Mm-hmm. 
So it's basically a first-round pick because of how bad the Pistons are. But Gage, I'll be honest, from everyone I've seen talk about this trade, including you and I, everyone seems to think the Raptors basically robbed the New York Knicks. Are you still in that camp? One game in? I still think so. And let me explain why. Um, I love OG Anadol being the defense that he provided, like the two-way play that he provided. But a team with him, Siakam, and Barnes was was becoming redundant and wasn't le- and one wasn't leading to wins, and their defense wasn't really that good. Plus, you don't want to go down that same rabbit hole that you did with Fred Van Vliet and he ended up leaving for nothing. You have to get some value out of it. So they did. So they did. And I think it was a good trade for the Knicks in terms of getting OG because he, one game in, it looks, it seems like he's been a better, like he has fit what the Knicks needed from him. But it's who they gave up in the process. I know RJ Barrett hasn't lived up to being the number three pick in the 2019 NBA draft. He's still a he's still young and a heck of an NBA player and a better scorer than OG was. And can play off of Barnes better than OG ever did, at least on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, sure, you lose defense, but hey, the Raptors weren't very good defensively in the first place this season. So you would think R.J. Baird being home would, would rehab his value and play more free and thrive in, in his home country. That's one thing. When I saw Emmanuel quickly was involved and was included in the trade, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because quickly's quickly meant he is a stud. I think he was second and sixth man of the year voting last year. Um, extension talks with the Knicks kind of stalled out. I think it was just kind of held back by like the fact that Jalen Brunson was starting at the one. But man, he's got room. Like he's still young too, and he's got a significant amount of room to grow. Kind of reminds me of of a poor man's Tyrese Maxey. In terms of like, if he gets that opportunity, he's going to run with it. And he's got a great opportunity with the Raptors to take a hold of the starting point guard job and run with it and like grow, grow um with RJ Barrett and Scotty Barnes, um and whatever young guys they bring in that in the process as well. Now it remains to be seen what they do with Siakam, whether they trade him or not, because like. You would expect Siakam would be next to get traded. But there are talks that, like, he would not sign an extension and would enter unrestricted free agency. So I don't know if that'll... I don't know if that'll scare, like, 
every team off or one team's willing to take a risk of that. But right now, the Raptors got younger and they arguably got better. And they gave up two bench pieces that weren't really doing much in the first in the first place in Precious Lechu and Malachi Flynn. And offensively, I was at the game on New Year's Day. I wish I was watching. I was working it. Um, they look like a completely different team offensively. Everything looked more fluid. And bench play was a big difference. Gary Trent Jr. and Dennis Schroeder off the bench. There's a lot more offensive pop. And I don't know if this will turn their season around in terms of this or if they should continue losing. But finally, there's a better direction in sight for this for this Raptors team. And man, I and the, and the Knicks, in order to make this deal fair, better resign OG Ananobi because if he bolts to another team in free agency, they've effectively traded away R.J. Baird and Emmanuel quickly for Malachi Friend and Precious Achua. That ain't a good look. Especially for James Nolan, who's already been fleeced by Masai Ujiri once upon a time with Andrea Bargnani. Well, we'll have to see, but let's break it down a little bit more for individual players. You mentioned there, Emmanuel, quickly, who's probably the more polarizing option because he was a bench guard for the Knicks, so you don't really know what he's going to look like when he starts. He did start his, the first game for the Raptors. He played 28 minutes. He had 14 he points, oh, six he did rebounds, start. And, and three assists. Yes, he did start. Um, So the starting could also add a new wrinkle because now you've got Schroeder on the bench. you got Gary Trent Jr. on the bench. You've got it quickly. So now you can really figure out which guy fits the best beside Scotty Barnes, which guy fits the best beside the other to be able to have a, a really good seven-guy rotation. And then you've got a guy like Jaden McDaniels off the bench. If Grady Dick can find his uh, his jumper back again, you know, maybe he could find some minutes in there somewhere. Like, this Raptors rotation looks pretty damn good now with the acquisition mm-hmm. of R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. And you and I are fans of R.J. Barrett. Let's yep. not sell ourselves short here. So you and I will think that the, that the Raptors won this trade because of how big of fans we are of R.J. Barrett. But I do think the Knicks got probably the best player for what they need him for. OG is not going to be the guy. He's not even going to be the second guy. OG is going to be the third option to spot up behind the arc and play great defense. And he's going to do that. So... Yes, I think R.J. Barrett is a relatively equal player to O.G. Ananobi. And yes, I think R.J. Barrett can be a better player than O.G. Ananobi. And I think Emmanuel Quickly could be a great player. I just don't know if he'll be able to hit that now at 24. O.G.'s 26. He's almost at what he's going to be. If he's not fully capped out his ceiling, he's almost there. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's a 15-point-a-game guy. from the field, about 37, 38% from three. 
That's what OG Ananobi is. And that's perfect beside guys like Brunson, as you mentioned, and Julius Randle, as much as you love Julius Randle. He's going to be the third option on that team, and I don't think there's a guy that you can pick out better for the third guy role in New York than OG Ananobi, especially, again, with the defense he brings that, you're again, your favorite coach, Tom Thibodeau, is going to love in New York at the Garden. I mean, he like even though he fouled out in that game against the Timberwolves, you saw flashes of it. And like the hierarchy has like in terms of like the Knicks' offense has been more has been more clear with Randall, Randall and Brunson being the top dogs, and OG just playing off of them. Obviously, you still got some underrated pieces in there like Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, at the center position, Dante DiVincenzo seems like he's going to start for the time being with Josh Hart coming off the bench. The bigger area of interest, though, is Miles McBride because he might just take over that Emmanuel quickly role. How soon can he acclimate himself to that role? I think that's going to be the deciding factor here. I still feel like the Knicks gave up too much for a guy who was going, who might walk in free agency, though. That, to me, is my issue. I will make sure I fix myself. I said, I believe I said Jaden McDaniels. It's Jalen McDaniels. L, not D. It's Jaden McDaniels plays for the... Minnesota Timberwolves, and I will say they're brothers. Same same height, same place of birthplace. They did go to different schools. Jaden McDaniels, as I know, went to Washington to play for the Huskies, while Jay Lynn played for the SDSU. And I'm actually, Jalen McDaniels is the older brother at 25, while Jaden is just 23. So if, if I ever make that mistake again, I will correct myself. But also, really? You got Not only do you name your kids the same letter, you literally give them the same name except for one letter. One letter is different. Jaden, <laughs> Jalen. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, that 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 would it, put him on the same team, Cage. You you just hating yourself. I, I can tell you as as a commentator myself, I, that would not be a fun day in the office. No, McDaniel to McDaniel's. I, at that point, I'd just call him Jalen and Jaden and hope I don't mess that up. Oh, man. Thankfully, thankfully they don't look exactly alike. Otherwise, that would be a whole other different problem in itself. That, that it would be. But now we will move off of the trade that the Raptors finally made. And you kind of mentioned there was Siakam Cage. But do you think... Pascal Siak will be traded before the deadline, before the NBA trade deadline pat comes and goes. As much as he should, I don't think he will. Because I think teams are going to be scared off with him wanting to enter unrestricted free agency and don't want to take that chance. Well, 
Well, the trade deadline in about a month on February 8th is the deadline day. So it'll be interesting to see if the Raptors make another deal, if it's Siakam, if it's somebody else involved. But, you know, more more waves could be made here in the north side of the NBA. I'm just glad there was a move being made and that there's a direction. They finally made a choice. Yep. And they got and they arguably got better in the process too. That definitely helps, doesn't it, Cage? Definitely helps when you make yep. a trade and it's fe- and you feel like you got better even though you got younger. It definitely feel it definitely feels good making a trade with the great James Dolan. Yeah, everyone's favorite owner. Unless yeah. you're a fan. Well Masai well, Masai's favorite. Uh, well, Masai's favorite contemporary too. They can fleece time and time again. You know who everybody's favorite player is, though. Oh God, who? Carl Anthony Towns. I don't even want to hear that from you right now. I don't. <laughs> we're just gonna act like you didn't say those words in that order, and we're gonna move on to looking around the NBA. Joel Embiid has extended his 30-point, 10-rebound streak to 14 games, the longest since the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in 1972 at 16. So Joel Embiid looking at history, too. Some history in the making cage this year. Losing streaks, point and rebound streaks. I mean, this Mm -hmm. season's a little bit of everything already, and we're not even halfway through. Yep. I mean, Embiid just came back after, like, an ankle injury and took off running in that game, albeit it was against the Bulls with Drummond in the mix, and they ran whoever offense out Drummond. Although I did kind of... I took a risk on, like, taking his over on rebounds for Drummond, and he went over, so I guess I got that out of the way. Um... Anywho, but Embiid's reached another level from his MVP year last year, and Phillies look good. Philly kind of was a little shaky in his absence, but got themselves a win against Houston, I believe. And against Orlando. A couple of good wins without Embiid. And they just put a shellacking on the Bulls to start things off. They were up like 43-18 after one quarter. And this is going to be one of those top top dogs in the East where you, like, if things go right for them, they got the right coach leading the way and Nick Nurse as well. Maybe they might crash that Celtics Bucks Eastern Conference Finals party. But Embiid doing something only Kareem did like over 50 years ago. And I'm going to try to look at Philly's next two games. What's Philly's next two games? 
at least the next two games are the Knicks I, and the Jazz. You would think he would. T- you think he would tie it going up against Hartenstein, and then Utah being Utah. I mean, Kessler's a good defender, though. I am a big fan of Walker Kessler. I like Kessler, too, but Utah is Utah. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) And then Atlanta going up against Clint Capella. That should be a fun one. The one that really, like, I'm excited personally to see is the 15th versus Houston, him versus Shingun. Because, man, do I love me some Shingun. My fantasy team has benefited from that, too. But he could very well break this. He could very well break this run that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had of 16 straight 30-point, 10-rebound games back in 1972. He could very well do it. And I have to say, like, he did this in a triple-double performance. He also had 10 assists. So his work, his his improvement as a playmaker has really put him on another stratosphere as well. Well, Cage, and another good point to bring up that you, you just mentioned there, and we'll, we'll talk about this, I'm not sure for how long, but I'd like to have a conversation. With how far we are into the season, probably about a third, who do you think is the MVP? Because Joel Embiid won it last year. He's oh, he he's from last year's total. He is more, averaging more points, averaging more rebounds, averaging more assists. Is Joel Embiid from last year to this year, and is he the MVP? Is Nikola Jokic averaging nine assists a game, averaging twelve rebounds a game more than last year? His assists are down from last year, but his turnovers are down a full turnover. So he's averaging about the same amount of assists while limiting the turnovers from last year. His points are up from last year, and that's just the two guys that you'd say were are the top dogs. Where does Luka Doncic fit into this category? Where does Jason Tatum fit into this category? Where does Kevin Durant fit into this category? Where does LeBron James fit in this category? So, Cage, a third third way into the season, who do you have winning the MVP in the NBA right now? Now, you just mentioned a lot of those names, but you omitted one name who I think could very well crash okay. this party. Can I, can I say the name I think you're going to say? Yes. You're going to say a Canadian. Yes. You're going to say an Oklahoma City Thunder guard. You're yes. going to say the former Los Angeles Clipper, the, the city of Toronto guard, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. And he's continued his production on better uh, – on better efficiency than he did last year. Might I add, um, as I take a look at how much better his efficiency has been, last year, last year he averaged 31.4 points per game on 51% shooting from the field. 34% 34% from downtown and 90.5% at the free throw line. 4.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 
a block per game and a steal a point point six steals per game with two point eight turnovers. He's got the same amount of points per game this season, thirty one point four. His blocks have gone down a little bit to point eight. His three point percentage has gone down to thirty three percent. But he's shooting 54.9% from the field, 90.7% from the free throw line. I'll be on less free throw attempts, might I add. He's increased his rebounding by, a full, by almost a full rebound, almost increased his assist by a full assist, and has increased his steals by a full steal per game. And it's cut down on his turnovers. By nearly a full turnover to just under two turnovers a game. He has been an elite player, and more importantly, the Thunder's record is a factor as well. Because they're second in the West, only a game back of the Timberwolves. And Shea's played in more games than Embiid. And has arguably been the more consistent out of the three of Jokic, Embiid, Embiid only because of injury, and Shea. Shea's been the more consistent of the three. He's been relatively healthy. He's been relatively healthy this season and is putting up big numbers, especially against your Celtics as well, 36, 6, and 7. On, I want to say, yeah, it was 36, 6, and 7. No turnovers, 14 of 22 from the field, 3 of 5 from downtown. I think, I call me crazy, but I think he's my MVP pick. And it's not because he's I will call you crazy, but, you know, for other reasons. Not not just because you picked Shea Gillen and Alexander to be your MVP. But anyway, this could be the most interesting MVP race, Gage. I want to know who your pick is. Well, I I got quite a few. Because I'm looking at the points per game list, Cage, and I think you could argue Embiid could be MVP, Luka Doncic could be MVP, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander could be MVP. (laughs) We haven't even mentioned Giannis Antetokounmpo yet. Where does he fit? Mm -hmm. Aaron Fox right now averaging 30 a game. The Sacramento Kings, is he going to vote? Obviously, Kevin Durant. Um, Curry, does Curry somehow get a vote? Jason Tatum's in there. Anthony Edwards, where does he fall? Nikola Jokic, LeBron James. And then we get down to number 19 on the points per game list, Cage. And he's not my pick. He's my dark horse. I'm going to say a dark horse. My dark horse pick for the MVP. Wait, 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 wait. Without looking at the points per game stats, we take a wild stab at this and say it's an Indiana Pacers guard. It may be. But you go ahead. It's Benedict Matherin. Wait, sorry. Wait, sorry. Wait, sorry. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Here's why. Not only is he averaging 24.7 points per game, he's averaging 12 point seven assists per game. He had two consecutive games of over twenty assists. 
He had only 11 in the most recent game, but before that, those last two games, the most recent one, was 20-plus assists in both. So he's averaging a career high in points, a career high in assists. His rebounds are up. His efficiency, he's hyper-efficient. He hasn't turned the ball over a whole lot. Like, I'm not saying Halliburton gets it, but... I think he should get at least a couple votes. Because we haven't seen a guy like this in a very long time. This good of a passer, this efficient of a passer, they're hard to find. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of point guards do have substance and have a lot of flash, but it comes at the expense of turnovers. You don't like, really see for that example, with Kitchens, like For example, Kitchens, Tyrese Halliburton has 12.7 assists per game, right? He His turnover per game is 2.6, right? So you'd say roughly on average, he averages about five and a half to six assists per turnover, which is really good. The next really two is. guys in assists per game is Trey Young at 11.3 and Luka Doncic at 9.4, okay? So keep that in mind. Second and third in assists per game, Luka Doncic and Trey Young, 11.3, 9.4. You look at the turnovers per game, number one is Trey Young at 4.3. Number two is Luka Doncic at four flat. That's the difference. That is the difference. Yep. I think he will get MVP votes. I like Tyrese Halliburton a lot, but we to win it, show. to win it, Indiana's going to have to go on a run and like be a top three seed for for him to garner some, for him to garner consideration enough to steal to to somehow take that MVP. That's why he's the dark horse. That's why he's the guy that I think will get votes. I'm not sure if he'll get it. Mm-hmm. And then to my real pick. Now, we all know I'm a fan of the great Nikola Jokic. We all know that I am not the biggest fan of the process. And, Cage, I'm trying to decide, do I do it? I really want to. I really, really want to. But I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure I can pick him. Because I'm not picking Shea. I'm not, not picking Shea. I'm not picking Embiid. I don't think I can pick Luka over a guy like Halliburton. I, I got to pick Nikola Jokic. Like, I think I, I have to pick the guy who should be a, going to be four-time straight MVP. Because he also is a hyper-efficient passer from the center spot, which is even more crazy than being a hyper-efficient passer at the point guard position. Nikola Jokic is a great scorer and scores the ball very well. He can shoot from three. He is the leader of his team. His team is also really good. I believe they are, what, top three right now in the Western Conference are the Denver Nuggets. They're number three Mm -hmm. in the Western Conference. So. I think I got to take Nikola Jokic, but my name that I wanted to say, but I don't think I can, is, of course, Jason Tatum. 
Now, Cage, I gave my dark horse pick. Do you have a dark horse pick? Do you have a guy that you think won't get votes or will get very few votes that you think should get more consideration than they're probably going to get because of if that's narrative or if that's if that's just because their team's not very good? Because I have another one, to be honest with you. I have another guy that I think should get votes that I don't think will get votes in the MVP race. Hmm. I got one for you. Jimmy Butler, just kidding. I, I would I would you need to get out the bleep machine for that one, Cage. That one I can tell you I can tell you without without even without without <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt, Cage. If if you said that name and we're serious, I would mm, we would murder me. You would need the bleep machine. You better not pull up to York on Friday and Saturday. Like you 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 would see me on site, Cage. See me on site. That's all I gotta say. Oh, I was going to say a name that was even worse, but no, 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 no. If you said Carl Anthony Towns, I better not see you the rest of this year. We just got 2020-24, Cage, and I wouldn't want to see you the rest of the year. So don't do this to us, okay? Don't do not do the things you're trying to do. Pick a real, actual candidate to be your Dark Horse MVP pick. Anthony Edwards. Do you think he Our, gets votes? He should. He should. He's the top dog on that T-Wolves team. And they got the best record in the West. Quite simple. Now, not as not averaging as many points in comparison to his contemporaries. But... Averaging 26.3 points per game, 48, 40, almost 46% from the field, 38% from downtown, 84% from the line, more than five rebounds and five assists per game, averaging more than a steal per game. Turnovers have been a little bit shaky, but he's the best scorer and arguably the best player on a Timberwolves team that has exceeded expectations and is the first seed in the West right now. Those two combined, like, he should get some votes. Well, Cage, you didn't say my other Dark Horse pick, and I want to see what you think of this particular pick, because it's okay. definitely out there. And I, okay. think, I don't even think you'll think of this guy, to be honest. But he's got a career high in points right now, his assists are right where they're supposed to be. His rebounds are up a little bit, but still up from last year's total. His turnovers are reasonable, even though his assist numbers aren't astronomical. His steals are up to a career high. So he's a guy that, again, I don't think will get votes, but I think should be in better consideration. But I think that narrative around his team is why he won't. It is Sacramento Kings guard De'Aaron Fox. Aaron Fox is averaging 30 points a night. He's fourth right now in points per game. 6.1 assists, 4.6 rebounds, 1.7 steals, only turns the ball over 2.6 times per game on average. He's, you know, 48% from the field on more attempts from last year. He's almost 40% from three. From Okay, last year he shot five threes a game and was 32%. This year he's shooting basically nine threes a game, and he's shooting forty percent from the th- from three point land. So not only a difference. 
that not only is he up in points and he's shooting way better from behind the arc and with more attempts, which is even more impressive, his assists are right where they were last year. His rebounds are up from last year. His steals are up from last year. You know, Darren Fox deserves to be in the MVP race. No, I don't think he'll win it. No, I don't think he'll get a first place vote. But he deserves to at least get mentioned, Cage. Yep. In the conversation. He does. I think the one problem with Fox is that he's, like, him and Sabonis are the two-headed monster of that team. So votes play might happen between those two. I got I got one dark I got one more dark horse pick. All right, well we're checking out all the dark horses. We got we got Kestrels running right through here. Okay, Cage, who 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 do you got? Who do I have? Hmm. Now you might call me crazy for saying this. You've already called me crazy enough as it is. But he's kind of in the wake of so many injuries to this particular team, to key guys, this team's still hanging around like the play-in picture has actually, like, won more games and hasn't, like, plummeted down the standings. And I think they're a couple of games away from, like, crashing, like, the top four party in the East. You got to think Donovan and Mitchell get some votes, too. Averaging 27.9 points per game. 5.7 rebounds per game, 5.7 assists. I believe it's a career high. Yes, it is a career high. 1.9 steals per game. Shooting 45.7% from the field. Shade under 35% from downtown, but 90% at the free throw line, a career high. And it's what Cleveland has sort of dealt with. Garland and Mobley out until, uh, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley out until February at the earliest. And Cleveland's just hung around in that East playoff picture. If they go on a hot run there, you would think Mitchell should get some MVP love. And again, I think I think a big component of what you're saying there, Cage, is the injuries to Mobley, and um, who else got hurt? Cage was it Allen? No, Darius Garland. Degar, you're right. It was Dick Darius Garland, one of my favorite players in the NBA. How selfish he is in his passing. Hmm. But I think we're just about done the NBA talk. Hmm. Before we move off. So I think we're going to do this first, Cage. We're going to go to the Scrabble board. I got two names. For two very different reasons. Okay. One's for you and one's for an article. I'm going to give you the first one, which is for you. Because I know you're going to go off. Okay? All right. So the first one is P N H. M O 
O T S. And I think I got all the letters there. I definitely uh, didn't scrabble these, so I'm trying to scrabble them in the moment, which probably isn't a good idea. P-N-H-M-O-O-T-S. Say that one more time to me. P-N-H-M-O-O-T-S. Yep, that's all the letters. Oh. Got a clue? He plays for the team that just snapped the 28-game losing streak. Oh, Oscar Thompson. It is Oscar Thompson, Cage. And do you have an inkling of why he's on the Scrabble board today? Hmm. I do not. It's for something you've complained a lot about recently with the Detroit Pistons. It has oh, been his usage. In the in the win over the Toronto Raptors, Oscar Thompson played all of like twelve minutes. He played twenty four minutes in the in the one thirty six one thirteen loss for the Pistons. So that one game winning streak lasted pretty long, all of like one day. So yeah, Oscar Thompson continuing to get in in uh, interesting minutes. Got twelve minutes in the win over the Raptors. Obviously, he's a non-starter as well. So, again, Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons not exactly playing their young guys consistently, which is interesting. And disappointing. I get why his twin brother Amon's not really playing much for the Rockets, because Houston's got a lot of depth and they're actually winning games. What excuse does Detroit, what excuse does Detroit have? That's all I got to say about that. Short and to the point, Cage, I actually don't mind it. What do you mean? As I, I, don't, I don't mind a quick little, you know, quick little answer to that, you know? Mm-hmm. You didn't, you, didn't need to, you didn't need to rant and rave and, you know, like I do about that bum Carl Anthony Towns or that bigger bum and Jimmy Butler. Ironically, we played on the same team. Talk about the worst team in NBA history. It was that one. I got the second name, Cage. Are you ready? Yep. T-R-D-A-U-F. Come again. T-R-D-A. T-R-D-A-U-N. United Nations. Kevin Durant? It is the, sl- uh, the it is Slender Man. It is Kevin Durant, and the reason why Kevin Durant makes a Scrabble board today is Adrian Wojnarowski came out with a report saying that in Phoenix there is a palpable tension with Kevin Durant that is frustrated with the roster, frustrated with the underwhelming play by his team, and that you know he'd like to see them be able to improve. So I'll actually quote a little bit of what Woj said here. He said, you talk to people in Phoenix and around the organization, they feel the frustration with Durant. Part of that certainly is the missed games for Bradley Beal. 
This team was built around those three, those three stars, the underwhelming supporting cast that comes from the, those massive trades for Durant and Bradley Beal that really gutted the organization and left them having to sign a lot of minimum players to fill out the payroll. And then understanding that they lack the assets, the draft picks, the trade capital to go out and really improve this team. This is something they're going to have to manage in Phoenix with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant responded on Instagram, but he later deleted the post. Woj saying somebody else feels that I'm frustrated and it turned into me being mentally checked out. That s crazy. This these people can flat out lie on my name and make s up, and you people will believe it. But when my teammates and coaches speak on how I am as a teammate, you ignore it. Lol. So Kevin Durant shooting back at at, uh, at Woj. Over a report of his frustration in Phoenix. And what's funny, Cage, I don't think anyone blames Kevin Durant for being frustrated. Yes, he's, you know, he worked his way out of uh, OKC. He worked his way out of Golden State. He worked his way out of Brooklyn. Yeah, he's burning a lot of bridges. But when you're a great player, you can do that. In all honesty, if you're a great player, you can burn bridges and go back. So... You know, KD kind of again going right at Woj. Cage, what do you what do you make of this? Do you, do you see like any it. smoke to the fire? I like it. I like it. I'm like, you feel like you're, and that's the problem with media, and that's the problem with media and with like NBA fans in general. Like, uh, like the general NBA fan. How do I put this respectfully? I feel like they're, they're this idiots. goes to a yeah, pretty much they're idiots. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. But he hit it on the head. Katie hit it on the head. They'd be so quick to believe stories from like Wojnarowski or Ch- Shams. Um, but when you hear it from from your team from like players, coaches who have been in that locker room more. It's just crickets. So yeah, Katie's going scorched earth on the N- the NBA fan base and Wojnarowski. I love to see it. Like can't, you can only take disrespect for so long. Well, we'll see if, if the Woj, tweet is true and that there is some discontent in Phoenix, which again, would make sense. This team was supposed to win. Booker, KD, Beal, even though Beal's been hurt a lot of the time, they're supposed to win. That's supposed to be a big three to win. And there aren't. They're below 500. They're not, I don't think they're even in the play-in right now, Cage. Like, they need a quick turnaround here. And again, I think that's just getting healthy. Getting those three guys to be healthy at the same time. Because Booker got hurt early in the year. Beal's been basically hurt all year, you know? And now so, KD's hurt. And Yeah, now KD's dealing with some injury. So, you know, they just got to find a way to get all three of these guys healthy at the same time. I just think health's the issue for them, to be honest. Because when they're healthy, I don't, like, you would think they would figure it out. For their sake, you got to hope they do because – who knows what happens if this one doesn't work? Do they trade Booker? Do they trade Beal away? Do they trade KD away trying to recoup the assets they lost trading for those guys? 
Well, for, for uh, Katie and Beal specifically. I don't think they'll trade Booker. I doubt that happens. I mean, if you think Phoenix needs to go for a rebuild, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, but Booker's been their dread, their homegrown kid. I guess. But That's I also like think, the. I just think Phoenix is getting closer and closer to a well-needed re- rebuild. Yeah, you could say that. They had they had young talent, and then they traded it all away. Ironically, to get older and get Kevin Durant and get Bradley Beal. Yep. So I guess we'll just have to see. Well, now I move off of the NBA, but before we go, I will have to mention, sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity. And I want to connect you with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sports books or having multiple accounts on multiple sports books is a very simple way of maximizing your profits. And there's never been a better time to, to sign up. If you use our link, which is signupexpert.com slash outrage, which will be in the description of this episode, it'll connect you to all the different sports books in your region, not just Cajun and I here in Ontario. It will show you the best options in the state. It'll show you the best option in Alberta, in in BC, up in the territories. To get you the best return, not only on your bet, but also to show you the best sign-up waivers. Like most sports books today, Cage, when you and I can attest to this, offer mm-hmm. you free money when you sign up. So say you put even $25 onto an account, it will usually match that amount onto your account. So you technically have $50 to place some bets and try to make some money. Yep. And when, again, when you sign up with this link, it'll automatically show you the best offers that each sports book will give you. And not only when you use this, you'll get to see all the sports books. Using multiple sports books, the advantage to that is you get to compare odds. So when you do what Cajun does and bet player props every night, you can get the best return on your your bet by just picking the right sports book and picking the right parlay or picking the right player prop in Cajun's case. So Cajun. Yep. As I finish my read that I did kind of ad lib halfway through. <clears throat> Pardon me. What are what is your player prop or two player props you you want to share with us today? Because I know you already got a couple. I even see the topic down here, Cage. So what is the uh, what do you got for the player props? Well, I'm going to just stick to just one. Because I feel like this is the one that, like... Is it, is I it feel like, for center? I feel like it is. Obviously, again, bet bet what you can afford to lose. Please don't gamble if you're under 18 here in Ontario or whatever your legal gambling age is in your country or state or province. Please gamble what you can afford to lose. Please, please, if you feel like you're starting to slide... You stop, please. Gambling is an ad- gambling can be addictive. Please do it within reason. Go ahead, Cajun. I got Giannis and Tetacumpo over eight and a half first quarter points. I will mention Cajun loves first quarter points. Cajun just first quarters first in quarter general. <laughs> just first quarters in general. Because you know, players always love to start off strong. 
So why not take advantage of the wave? But it's the important that he's missing. But it's against the Pacers. And he has historically played very well against the Pacers. I mean, we had the we had the ball boy fight. Where he had 64 against the Pacers. And he had 55, I believe, like the game before in Indiana. Like, in-season tournament on the side. So, he's played well against the Pacers. And I feel like eight and a half, I'm like, that's a little too low. Are there any others you like want to mention, Cage? I know you said just one, but, you know, I know you got more than one. Mm, I do have another one. Tyus Jones over 18 and a half points and assists. Is that eight that is, points plus assists? Points plus assists. That's 18 and a half for Tyus Jones? Yeah. Current wizard? Yeah. Honestly, I kind of like that one. Because Tyus Jones, is, as you and I spoke about when he was traded and how impactful he has been, he is a really good player. Because he formerly of Memphis. Really helped out that second unit in Memphis. You can see what happened when he left, as well as John Morant being suspended. I honestly don't mind that one. 18.5 points plus rebound, or points plus assists, which if you don't know, it means if Tyus Jones has 18.5 or has 19 points plus assists. So if that's 13 points and, say, 6 six assists, that's 19. Mm-hmm. That gets you the bet. And so, and so, uh, so on and so forth. Yep. And he had 14 points and eight assists last game. Which, do the do quick maths, that's 22. So, to me, 18 and a half feels a bit too low. If you want to get a little risk and add points, rebounds, and assists to it, it's 21 and a half. I wouldn't mind taking that. I just think the points and assists is, bit, is a bigger guarantee. And Tyus Jones having a great year, by the way. 12 point, twelve and a half points per game, three rebounds, five and a half assists, shooting basically 54% from the field and 20 or 42% from three. Tyus Jones is looking really good right now in Washington. And he was looking really good in Memphis, too. So good for Tyus Jones, the uh, former Duke Blue Devil. And not a great look for the Memphis Grizzlies at the same time. Yeah, adding to that rather abysmal offseason in the end with none of their moves really working out in their favor. Poor Marcus Smart. But now, <laughs> poor Marcus Smart. But now moving on to the NCAA, we'll start off with the women's side. As Caitlin Clark saved her Hawkeyes from maybe an upset against Michigan State in Big Ten play, they win 76-73. It took 40 from maybe the best player in the NCAA right now in Caitlin Clark, including a buzzer beater to win it in the fourth quarter. And like a deep one, too. She looked like Harden, Kate. Step back from the logo. Oh, man. And I will mention with that, a lot of big games going on today in the women's side. UConn versus Crichton tonight. 12 versus 21. UConn coming off a big win most recently over the number 18 Marquette Golden Eagles. So another ranked game for the Huskies. TCU versus Baylor, 6 versus 23. Baylor being 6, TCU being 23. So again, some more ranked on ranked games in conference on the women's side of the bracket. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the men's side, Arizona 
fall again. This time, 182 against Stanford, who are not normally a powerhouse on the men's side of the bracket, at the very least. We'll mention some ranked-on-ranked games. Marquette beat Crichton, 72-67, in a 10-versus-22 matchup. We'll also mention FAU after being ranked as high as 7, their highest ranking ever as a program. They lost to Florida Gulf Coast, 72-68, so they fell like a stone in the most recent AP poll. The Bulldogs of Gonzaga lost to the SDSU, the Aztecs, 84-74, so Gonzaga fell all the way down to 24th in the most recent AP polls. Going on to last night's games, big wins for a lot of ranked teams, and nobody got upset. Nobody picked up a loss last night. The next day where there's some really good ranked-on-ranked games is a heavyweight tilt on Friday, Cage, in Big Ten play. The Illinois Illini make their way to Indiana to take on the Purdue Boilermakers. Number nine, Illinois. Number one, Purdue. That's going to be a heavyweight clash. Holy. There's gonna there might be some rank change ranking changes after that one if Illinois pulls off an upset. And we'll see how far they could go. Then some big rank games on Saturday. Upcoming, January sixth. North Carolina make their way to Death Valley to take on the Clemson Tigers. Quickly looking down, I saw at least one more. Old Miss. Make their way to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. That's 22. Old Miss undefeated at 13-0. Take on Tennessee, who are fifth in the nation in SEC play in Knoxville. If Old Miss can stay undefeated, they're going to jump up the rankings if they can beat number five, Tennessee. And that ends the ranked games on Saturday on the men's side. But again, a lot of big games going on on the NCAA side of the pool uh, of the uh of the docket in, in basketball right now. And conference play adds a wrinkle because not only are you forced to play ranked teams depending on what conference you're in, you got to play them twice. You got to play them at home and away. So you can't even get away with beating them once. You got to beat them again. So, in all honesty, Cage, you know, the Illini could lose to Purdue, you know, at Purdue and then beat them in Illinois. So, you know, that's just the kind of the problem when you're a big school playing in a big conference like the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the Big East. It doesn't get any easier playing in conference than out of conference. But anyway, Cage, I think that's basically it. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? But Jordan Clarkson, first triple-double, and I believe this was against Dallas, By a Utah Jazz player in 16 years. So think about all the triple doubles that Nikola Jokic has, LeBron James has had, Russell Luka Westbrook Doncic. has had, Luka Doncic. And Utah finally got one for the first time in 16 years. The last one, the last player that had a triple double since Carlos Boozer on February 13th. 2008. So that was a stretch of 1,256 
games. Clarkson's triple-double off the bench was the first in more than 40 years for a Jazz player. This is back to February 5th, 1983. Mark Eaton on that day had 12 points, 14 rebounds, and 12 block shots. So you were talking about history being made in the NBA, like, throughout. This is a little nugget, this is a little uh, nugget to add to this NBA season. The history-making 2023-24 NBA season. Who'd a thunk it? Anything else you want to talk about before we go? I think that's it. As you stayed booted throughout the basically entire NCAA conversation. Thanks, Cage. Or, yeah, conversation. More, more, uh, soliloquy by me i guess in terms of caitlin clark like you said you 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 said one of the best players in the ncaa right now i'd say the best i'd say the best and she's shown us she's continued to amaze us and it becomes more and more plausible that she could break that scoring record set by Kelsey Plum. And I saw that three I saw I saw that I saw that last second three there from Clark against Michigan State. Not really a lot was going on in that possession. It was it was like a broken it was like a busted play and she just stepped back and just nailed it. I'm like I'm like, well damn. I was like that ish looks smooth. But it's adding to the legend that is Caitlin Clark. And, man, if they – if she leads Iowa to a national title, that legend is going to continue to grow. And you mentioned the Arizona-Stanford game. I just don't think st- – I don't think that was more or less so Arizona playing bad. Stanford just could not miss. They shot 64% from three. So I don't necessarily think you're wrong in saying that Stanford just was on fire all game. Yeah, like shots that you think wouldn't go in on a normal given day, they, they were falling for Stanford. And any team that can shoot the lights out like that has a great chance of upsetting a team. If you shoot that well. So. Yeah, it's an upset by. By. Rank on like ranking standards. With Arizona being the four seed. But if you. Play decent on both sides of the floor and just like fall victim to hot shooting. Yeah, tip your cat. You got to tip your cap off. Yeah, tip your cap off and say good game and move on to the next one. We'll see if any more upsets come out over the next week as we get ready for our next episode, which I don't even know when it will be because this is Wednesday. So this could be Monday or Thursday. We'll probably call it the Thursday episode. So I don't think we'll be back till next Monday because obviously New Year's was on Monday and, you know, Cage and I had plans and had, had some stuff to do. So we'll probably also- be back next Monday. Also, Happy New Year to to everyone. Yes, welcome to 2024. Hopefully it is a good year for all. 
Cage, with that <sighs> being said, I think that's the end of it. So for Cajun, Theruth, Annie Castle, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Polar Opposites, only on the Outrage Inc.